0: Welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show, designers discussing design. We're on episode 76, 2 plus 2 equals score. That's right, but we're bringing even more than 2 plus 2. We're bringing 5 to the show today. Uh, We have not only myself and always the masterful Sen Fung Lim, but as a guest uh, third host... His name is blank on the screen, but he's not a mystery man. That's (laughs) Hack Oddwelder.
1: That's
0: funny. How you doing, man? Good. How you doing? I am excellent. And Sen, what have you been playing lately? What games have you been up to? Oh, he says one minute. And that, you know what? I'm going to use this one minute for a very special announcement. It happened to be a pretty important day for Hack. Uh, he released, I believe, this is his fifth
2: yeah. Kickstarter.
0: Um, tell us a little quick snippet about what your Kickstarter is, and and why is this one different from the others?
1: Um. Well, so this first, one. Tell everyone what it is, and then. It's called Glass Face, and um, it's um, it's like a speed dice game. you're basically rolling dice to steal the cards from the middle and then doing set collecting. And uh, it's different because I designed the game with cards, with uh, numbered cards and dice, and I wanted to involve the backers, so I ended up having the idea to have people's faces on the cards like they're trapped inside.
0: I love it. It's a nice, unique feel where he's actually making a Kickstarter where if you want to, you can be in the game. That's right. Sen's pulling up. On the screen right now. It just started. Uh, there's 30, 32 days to go. We got 15 backers so far, but don't be shy. And you might notice a couple, uh, a, a couple, uh, well, three faces, uh, four really, I mean, really five, <laughs> five faces that are hosts of this show in one way or another. I mean, Hacks out there right now, Sen and I are on the prototype as well. You should recognize Bearded Meeple. That's right, Tyler Anderson, a regular host. And then there's also JR, uh, the uh, co-host, uh, one of the hosts of NerdNighters. You should also notice another host of the NerdNighters, Stephanie Straw. And if you d- want to know who the other two, we got the one tar, Tiffany Ralph, and we got Shmoo, who's uh, a publisher of many great games, and you should know him. So Shmoo's in Taiwan. He's the... He- the main guy in Taiwan. The main so, man. He is Mister Taiwan himself. So, and you'll also notice because it's Saint Patty's uh, coming up that there's actually a little Saint Packy's Lucky Me uh, sponsor level. So, what's included in the Kickstarter uh, if if people order by
1: uh, by now? Oh, I made I today? made a little a little lucky leprechaun drinking game. It's like a little micro game where you just have one card and everybody has the same card and you're, like, flipping pennies. And if you back by St. Patrick's Day, you get that one. And if you don't, you get the unlucky one, which is... It's a game... It's a different game. It's uh, it's still a drinking game, but it's... uh You are predicting... You're predicting uh, flipping coins. And nice. If, so the unlucky one is the... Um, is the one who gets to drink. So it's um.
2: It's, now, now, just to clarify, is that after St. Patrick's Day, Taiwan time or North America time?
1: I always do this the last possible place that it's St. Patrick's Day. Nice. We always run into this issue for the so people. So
0: people still have time.
1: Oh yeah, another another probably almost two days almost because wherever the last possible place is. Where St. the Pat- last St. Paddy's drink is drink. Yeah, the very last. The very last. Okay. We okay. do that with the design contest, too. Like, you have until the 31st, but the very last place, it's the 31st, you know. Absolutely.
0: Now, Sam, we have you back. Your audio is yeah. here. What yep. games have you been playing up uh, lately? Or You also have some big news. A press release that just came out.
2: Oh, uh, uh, Godfather. So, <laughs> Some of you might notice that there are a couple Godfathers Jeez. that weren't today. Uh, one of them is our good friend Eric Lang's game coming out through Cool Mini or Not. So it'll have some nice miniatures, of course, C-O-M-N style. Uh, it's a worker placement game um, with a little bit of fun in terms of hiding money in, in briefcases. It, it was codenamed Briefcase for a long time. Uh, so Eric, let me play it um, at the Maple mm. Syrup Winter Camp. And it's pretty cool. And then Jay and I have a game coming out from IDW, which is a dice rolling area majority area control game. Uh, Jay and I love area control, obviously Belfort and whatnot. But now it's with dice. It's not Belfort dice. <laughs> That's a different game. Um, but this is using your dice to take over areas of New York, uh, just like. The mafioso did way back when, (laughs) and they used dice. But then you can also send your men out to places like Las Vegas. In the movie, they had to go to Las Vegas, and that's where you can get more funds to get more dice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And, yeah, so you also have to, obviously, there's parts of the game where you're making offers that can't be refused. Same thing in Eric's game. There's offers you can't refuse uh, and whatnot. So we all had a good time working for different companies which is interesting and in how they how they sliced that up um, and but they're both really cool games both kind of hitting a different demographic our game will be more likely a lower price point um, versus miniatures and stuff like that uh, and we'll be playing three to six players in a probably a shorter amount of time in terms of like 45 to an hour. Uh, and then Eric's game is, I can't remember how many people can play it, maybe five if I'm not mistaken, but maybe maybe more I don't know, uh, and it will be more of the 60 to 90 minute style game, so anyways yeah, that's coming out, and look at that, take a look at that take a look at Eric's games as well um, he has a couple that were announced at Gamma, and then we should have some more stuff announced over Gamma over the, little, little, over the next while, but yeah so that's what we've been working on um, What was the other Eric Lang announcement? Oh, Munchkin Oh, yeah, yeah. Munchkin, Sorry. the trading card game. I knew about like, that. Like, literally in booster random decks kind yeah, yeah. of thing. So, yeah, interesting uh, interesting way to go for Steve Jackson games. And Eric yeah. and Kevin actually did that. Kevin totally. Wilson. Yep.
1: yep. What is Munchkin? Sorry? <laughs> I'm joking. What is Munchkin? I said, oh, I said, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> it's the
0: Munchkin. Munchkin? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh.
2: So I've been working on that. I've uh, been working on... Uh, Burning Rubber came back from Chris at Dice Hate Me, said, you know, it's interesting, not sure where it goes, here's some feedback. So Scott and I have been working on getting it to the place where we like it now. um, Cool. In terms of some more cleaner scoring mechanics, taking out a lot of the in-between stuff. Nice. and getting it ready to show again. Uh, so Scott Gaeta from Renegade interested in it. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Might show it to Chris again. Uh, he's just busy with other stuff. And then, you know, there's a couple other games. Uh, Jesse and I are obviously working on some stuff for IDW as well. So. Cool. Lots and lots of stuff. Oh, and uh, for those of you who haven't picked up, but wait, there's more, chances are you can't anymore because it's pretty much sold out. Uh, so if you see a copy... Grab it, but we're actually working on the second edition. And the second edition of Bitwit, there's more. Will be entirely new words, entirely new features. So if you have version one already and really like it, you can mash version two with it and make a totally, uh, you know, combine the games. They're both standalone, but can be combined together. So that's kind of fun. Daryl, how about you? What have you been working on? I saw Passenger Pigeon project or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, it's been a fun few days.
0: I actually, uh, start um, the weekend I had a, a bunch of uh, play testing and development, and actually all of yesterday from the morning to the late night, uh, Steve and Sauer and I met together and we did uh, design, they development. Pie. They ate a lot of pie. We ate a lot of pie. A day late. Uh, we missed them. pie day, but like out of grieving pie day, we uh, thought we should have pie. And, um, yeah, no, actually, we're really excited. We have a couple games that we designed uh, that now we, you know, did the first 80%, and we got a lot of work to go to finish that 20%, but we're really happy with a couple games. One, one what we actually had been working on a lot, Shields, and it would grow and die and grow and die. It was one of those things where, like, in the morning I hated it, and by the <laughs> evening I loved
2: so, it. Oh, yes, I saw, I saw the pictures uh, of that. So look, she, I like the spiky... Counter thing, I don't know what it is, but I like the look uh, of it.
0: So, yeah, so the shields were really uh, psyched about, and then we also have one Tower of London uh, that we're really pumped about, and then um, we did a bunch of play testing. I I uh, got to play test Alpha Gems, which is a a family game that I'm helping develop. That uh, got to play test with a bunch of different GAC people. Actually, it felt like an official GAC meeting. We I think uh, I think we probably had nine. GAC people in attendance?
2: So nine uh, game artisans of Canada? Yeah, so that
0: that was pretty awesome. Um, And then uh, all of today, basically, by the time I... Basically, I woke up, rolled out of bed, Adrian was at my door, and we designed all today, and then I kicked him out for dinner, had a quick nap, and then we're on the show now. So we've been working on a few of our designs, um, a Western uh kind of party shoot 'em up strategy game. Kind of a la cashing guns, but um set in the Western world. And then uh Pigeon Posts, which uh I jokingly uh posted as a wink to uh, my friend JF who is with Z-Man who said that uh he's never experienced a game that made him more angry uh and felt like the game sucks so much. Uh, and so I jokingly said uh, that he had to check it out again, but I don't know if he would ever do that. because I, I do so much. But, <laughs> uh, but honestly, uh, it's really funny because we, we really developed it a lot and uh, took a lot of people's feedback in mind. Some people loved it, some people hated it, and we just took it all, and I feel like a year later, it's so much better, and that's the beauty of why you keep working on games. is yep. uh, You take everyone's feedback, even when you think it's a good place, and with more time, it just hopefully keeps getting better. So
2: Yeah, that's what I love about the iterative game process. Yeah. The game it was process. a really was cool emergent. feeling.
0: Yeah, it was very cool to think over the long period, the ups and downs. So, yeah.
2: so speaking of game designers, we have a couple here with us. We have yeah. Mr. Yeah. Lundis, Mr. Top of Deck, and we have Isaac Shalev. Um, and they are wonderful, wonderful game designers. They have a game currently a on Kickstarter. A couple of my
0: favorite designers. Yeah.
2: Called Retreat to Darkmoor, and Isaac just had his first solo release, I believe. So we're gonna bring them on to the show. Today's yeah. topic is math.
0: Yeah. How do you how do you take numbers and make them into games and make them fun? And like, do you do it from the gut or do you use a calculator? I don't so, know. So
2: let's ask. Let's ask. Let's, They're on the show right now. Let, let's
0: let's get into it. So I'm gonna start off, uh, jumping right to Matt uh because uh i I love Matt's brain, um uh, <laughs> I love hearing his thoughts on things not just for and your
2: body Matt no yeah, not
0: I body. don't love you just for your body. you've been um, watching too
3: much eye zombie, I think
0: yeah, and uh so <laughs> i I gotta go to you first. what's kind of your process when it comes to uh, handling math in design. Do you do you first use your gut, or are you a spreadsheet guy, or does it just come intuitively, and you just have strong math skills? Tell us a little um, bit about your your approach.
3: Yeah, I think it's all. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a bit intuitive at this point. I've but I've done a lot. Of, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in spreadsheets, uh, just seeing what numbers do, how they play. You know, looked into research percentages, research, cal- you know, odds calculations, car- cards drawn from deck, um, you know, distribution, etc. So, at this point, it's pretty
2: intuitive, uh, but
3: there's it's because of all the other work that I've done, so.
2: Awesome. So, it, it's, a, it's a process that has become more intuitive over time. Yeah, exactly.
3: I mean, like the more you work with numbers, the more you're going to understand them. I mean, math has always been pretty natural uh for me. This is my easily my best and easiest subjects in school. Um but at this point, I mean, at this point when it comes to game design, though, we don't use very you use very very complicated math. You know, all you have to do is understand some basic uh, you know, basic probabilities, you know, distribution networks, matrix uh, matrices maybe, um, and it's like once you, I guess you can get into, like, uh, hypergeometric distribution, which is what people don't know is, that's always the question that people have, like, well, if I've drawn five cards and there's three cards of this in the deck, like, what's my percentage chance to draw X? Yeah. If you don't know, it's called hypergeometric distribution. There's a function for it in very Excel. a very big word. Yeah, it's a very big word. <laughs> but there is a function in Excel you can do to play with hypergeometric distribution to actually give you that answer quite easily. And once you've played with it enough, you tend to have a feel uh, for what it's going to be.
2: Great. Ah, do you have a question for um, our friend, Mr. Shalev?
1: Um, a question? Yeah, how... Do you have any number sequence or any kind of certain numbers that you use when you put games together?
4: Uh, yeah, I guess it's uh, four, eight, fifteen, sixteen. <laughs> yeah, days. yeah,
2: like a lucky number out of <laughs> a uh, fortune okay. cookie. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. I, I don't think I have any like favorite sequence I feel like I always want to use geometric distribute de- geometric scaling um, just because it's cool that's like when uh, when numbers when you increment numbers by one more than the previous amount so uh, like um, you know, if you did the 1, then 3, then 6, then 10, then 15, that would be a, a geometric scale. Um, so those are cool, but honestly, I, I, my brain doesn't work that way. I don't start with the numbers and then kind of figure out how to work them. I more often um, come up with a mechanism. It's terrible. I ask Matt how to fix it, and he says, well, maybe you should try this kind of distribution, and typically that works. Um, nice. But, yeah, I mean, it's more like a set of tools. You you look in your toolkit and you say, why isn't the scoring working right? What do we need to do to it? Do we need to accelerate it, or do we need to degrade it? Or, um, you know, why isn't the incentive for the behavior that we... Or rather, how do we create the incentive for the behavior that we want? And uh, often there is a mathematical pattern for that, but I I kind of find it going backwards.
2: Right. So you're starting from an end result of what you want and then shaping the math to bring that
4: out. Yeah, I'd say that that's true.
2: Okay, good. Uh, Matt, um, a lot of people might not know this, but you're quite a good Magic player, correct? Or were at one time when you were quite into that? Collectible card games, but yeah. In general, magic, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, how has that helped you in terms of game design and mathematics? Can you... Is that a skill that people should spend time doing is playing math-intensive games or games that play on probability and odds and things like that?
1: Um,
2: design? I mean, I think it. it if you want to get a competitive design, sure.
3: Um, but if you want to get... I think if you want to stay where a lot of designers uh, are really good and pr- probably something that I need work on myself is uh, more focusing on the experience of the game. I don't... You know, unless the experience that you're looking for is like a cutthroat competition, then um, playing that, there's a lot of time investment that you would need to put in uh, to be able to get, like, the, the true deep lessons out of those things. I mean, I think, of course, you should play, like, a, a two-player battle game just to get that experience, period, or a couple of them. Um, but, yeah, you definitely learn probabilities, what your outs are, playing to your outs, but all that is is very competitive game theory.
2: Right. So. Great. Daryl,
0: yeah, Isaac, jumping back to you. I mean even just uh off of what Matt said, you know often some people design with a mechanic in mind or with a formula or math, it sounds like you would probably be more what or actually better yet what what do you start with like what um, is your 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 process of what your what questions you ask or what you're looking for early on with a design
4: so uh when it comes to the question of what route I take through the design, it really depends on where it starts. And I am not one of those designers who always starts in the same place. Nice. Uh, so I sometimes am inspired by a story or a riddle mm-hmm. or, um, you know, fairy tales. And those are some things that I've chosen as uh, things that I'm interested in that I feel like have games in them. And and typically, mm-hmm. Uh, when you start there, you need to find a game. There's a story, and you need to gamify it in some way. Um, And that's not such a math thing. Uh, It's more like figuring out how you're going to change the story to inject the player into it and find the choices in it. Um, But sometimes, you you know, just a mechanism appears, or you're just playing with something, and, and you get a mechanism out of it, and you think, okay, well... Right away, you do need some math around that. You do need to, to figure out uh, how it'll score or how to play out over a number of turns. Matt and I have been playing with a, a Mancala mechanism for hand management lately. Sure, and sure. so that's, that's a kind of thing where you really need to figure out, you know, if you're mancala things across new hands, how are they going to fill Is that a how word, Isaac? Have... <laughs> mancala, yeah. It's, mancala. It is, it's mancala
2: is Mancala-ing. Sure.
4: Well, nobody actually, this is, this is a true story. Uh, Mancala is in fact a verb, uh, and it, what it means is to dig out small bowls and fill them with stones, and it's only later that that became the Mancala game.
0: Dang! I hope he just <laughs> made that up.
4: But, but, but I love. He just like
0: boom, yeah. Balder dashed
2: him. But I love it. Balder dashed a it. word. So. Balderdashed the heck out of you. <laughs>
0: that was beautiful. That was that, that was impressive. Um, Isaac. It also could be true. I don't know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so an actual true story along that route is that I once told somebody, even though I had no idea that it was true, that the island that uh, the Statue of Liberty is on is called Liberty Island. And uh, he was like, no, it's not. It's Ellis Island. I was like, no, it's a different island. He's like, yeah, what's it called? I'm like, Liberty Island. And it was a total lie. I thought it was Alice Island too, but it's true.
0: No, yeah, they're different islands. Alice <laughs> <laughs> Island was where they actually, like, had the boats come in. Yeah, it's yeah. where the
1: immigration happened.
0: All right, so, uh, Hack, you got a question for
1: Matt. Um, Yeah, like, how do you decide on, like, the amount of cards or dice or stuff that you have in a game? like, math-wise, like, distributing how many cards or how many cards per player or how many are start. You go with 108 cards or 52, like, how do you how do you process that?
3: Uh, I decide how much I want to hate myself for cutting them out and how many iterations of the game I'm going to have to make to, to repeatedly cut these out and redesign and cut them out and redesign. Uh, no, I think the game tells you that, though. Uh, you can start with a constraint, you know, a 54-card game, 108-card game. I mean, those are... Uh, I guess, pretty common printing numbers at this mm-hmm. point that you try to stick to just for that purpose. Um, and if you're going, like, 130, you're like, well, should I go to 108 or should I try to take it higher? Uh, you know, if you're at, like, 70, you're like, well, I- unless you really need 70 cards, like, the publisher's going to ask you, the f- like, one of the first questions they're going to ask you when you're pitching probably is going to be, can this be 54 cards or can this be 60 cards for bridge size or something like mm-hmm. that? Um, so yeah, I mean, when when you're doing that, when you're talking about distributions, though, now you're all ta- now you're talking about uh, like within those 54 cards, within those 108 cards, uh, how often do you want something to happen? Um, and that's you know that's a different question for or a different answer for every game.
4: So yeah, I kind of come at it from a little bit of a different place. Uh, f- I think that a lot of you mean not
2: share laziness. (laughs) (laughs) Share laziness.
4: Oh no, no, please. Most game design springs from laziness. Uh, (laughs) No, but I I try and think about the the psychology of the player before I do the math. So I want to think about how many cards is a player going to have in their hand? Uh, We know that, you know, once you get past seven or eight cards, uh, it's tough to manage them unless they group into sets, so you're not really thinking about seven or eight options. Um, You know, at the same time, if you're looking at less than three and the game starts feeling forced and starts feeling like it doesn't have choices. So Mm -hmm. once you establish what the use of the cards is going to be, is it your hand, is it something you use frequently uh, or not, you can get a sense for how many cards should be available to the players and then you kind of uh, from there can get to a a total count of how many cards you need in order to create variety, in order for the deck not to run out Uh, or if you want the decks to run out, you want it to be really tight that that has to be because you want to generate some kind of feeling in the players, or because you want them to be able to count cards more easily, know more readily what might or might not be available. So I come at it first from the the player experience, and then uh, multiply out to figure out how many cards you actually need.
3: I yeah. love it. I love it. Distribution. Sorry, I was gonna, I was gonna oh, add to right that. Distribution, no distribution in the game is actually more, is absolutely a player feel. Uh, I had, I had a huge distribution change over and over and over again uh, when doing Dragon Flame, uh, mm-hmm. where it's like I just wasn't seeing enough of this, wasn't feeling enough of this while playing. Okay, cut some of that, put some of this in. Like the math always worked, and no matter what version sure. I had. But it's like if I wasn't getting the feeling that I wanted, you take something out and put in something else. So
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just going to point out an example as well of the real practical. I had a game. It started to be a game for families and kids. Well, then hand size had to get smaller because literally kids can only hold so many cards. So yep. then it actually evolved to a point where it was, wait, what would be even a better experience for kids? It actually evolved to being a bag builder instead of cards because even just the physicality. So, they, I mean really thinking through the practical of, of, of the experience mm-hmm. might affect things. But each stage, like you said, you're, you're worrying about the math. You're still, you know, having the math, but intuitively you're also trying to make sure players have a good experience. So. Right. And uh, back to you, Sam.
2: That might lead into this next question. UX is something that a lot of people on the forums are talking about in terms of How do we get a better user experience or gamer experience when we're designing games? So Sir Bob asked this question off the feed. He said, what are the risks and rewards in using math-based game balance? So really getting into the math. Isaac, this is to you, uh, because you're not the one that uses this as much as Matt, perhaps. And so you end up having a more organic feel. What do you think the benefit of that is in terms of UX?
4: Uh, I think it's a giant disadvantage. <laughs> uh, look, you can feel is great and it's important and you want to test that it's there, but without backing it up with real solid math, it's just anecdotal, right? And it doesn't represent every experience that players might have even if you're a really diligent designer, I was listening uh, to Dominic Crapuchet talk about how many games of evolution he's played, and he he says he's played something like 500 games, and even if you've played 500 games, as soon as your game hits the market, if it's successful, it's going to be played tens or even hundreds of thousands of times, and the uh, consistency of your design and the consistency of the player's experience is going to come out, and that's all about the math. Uh, So, I... Uh, definitely am concerned when I haven't been able to figure out how to approach uh, an issue within the game without math. And I think that for me is the biggest challenge, is There's some stuff I I know what math to use, but there's other stuff, you know, so like I made a worker placement game, and so you create some base set of values and conversions so that each action is worth a similar amount based on, you know, what rewards you're going to get for placing a a worker and how that eventually converts to victory points. Uh, And players know how to do that, too. They do that when they play the game. They try and kind of work their way backwards to that equation.
2: Yeah, valuation.
4: Right, right. Valuation is a huge part of it, but sometimes there's aspects to, to this that I don't even know how to approach the problem mathematically, and when that happens, I get nervous, um, and that's when I turn to uh, fellow designers, that's when I turn to my dad, who is a, a, a PhD in math, uh, so that's helpful in learning new tools for, for doing it.
1: Uh,
2: Did we just lose? Anyone yeah. Sound? Yep.
0: Okay. It's, it's really polite to see how long everyone. <laughs> like,
2: well, we're, we're, some of us are Canadian.
0: Someone coming back here? He's talking strong.
2: Look at him go! Yeah. Like, talking. Is, I don't know if he can hear us because oh, he's, he's caught up. Can you? Oh, he he- there he goes.
3: Isaac. Um, nope. He can't hear anybody. Oh, I you almost, can't
0: hear us either. All right. We can't hear you. Well, All right. on that note, while he works on that, I'm just going to jump actually back to Matt, and um, and why don't uh, he's gonna, he's going to come back? But uh, just to give a little context, you already mentioned uh, Dragon Flame. Can you tell just people listening? I you know usually actually we do this first thing, and we didn't really do that. Was I know um, the intro
3: was terrible. Yeah, it was,
0: it was horrendous. <laughs> we, were, we were a mess. Uh, so while we buy a little quick time. Can you tell us quickly what games you've been involved with and also what games you and Isaac have done together?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, so what I've been involved with prior to partnering with Isaac was Dragon Flame from Minion Games came out last year. Um, And uh, since then, I mean, I did. I do have another one that got signed, attempted to be Kickstarted, failed that Kickstarter, and I don't actually know where that one's going right now, but that's uh, Cosmic Kaboom. Yep, that is a copy of Dragon Flame.
0: That's my copy. There
3: you Still go. Still play it. Still play yep. it. Um, quick, quick and handy. Yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen to Cosmic Kaboom. I mean, that's another design that I got signed solo, but then everything past that uh, has been Isaac and I. Uh, we just dove in, like, Dove in, threw everything in together, went the con season last year, pitched everything together, and didn't kill each other. Uh, and but, then,
0: and anyone who
3: follows Meeple Stirrup
0: <laughs> on uh, social media, you, you would have seen both uh, Isaac and Matt pop up multiple times as we would, you know, pop in on the speed... Speed dating events and see yep. them, or uh, many times, especially Origins, we played a bunch of their games. Yeah, and late night at
2: night. Tweeted, <laughs> like know, Monster late, <laughs> Monster Truck. The, the late night. Monster Monster Truck.
0: Yeah, Monster Monster Truck or yep. Pirate Liars. Liars Loot. And that's going to be changing. Loot.
3: That name is yeah. changing, but All that, that kind game of stuff. is still so, around.
0: So, yeah, so I mean, anyone knows, uh, we, we love a lot of your games and we like playing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, but we just want to make sure everyone who's new to the show. Um sure. would would know what games I think Isaac we're we're good now?
2: Oh nope. no we are still not good. <laughs>
0: you can hear us, so you get a good seat to watch the show, but uh
2: <laughs> Oh no. Is your mic is your mic even on? Well, yep. you, know yeah. you know what's
0: exciting is now you can just
3: head nod how well Matt is doing <laughs> as a self-job. Oh, man. See, this is terrible. See, one of the things that this we actually do nightmare. together is he's the voice and I'm, you know, the brains behind You're the, the face. <laughs> you get <the> good look. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, that's kind of like me and Jay, too, right? Jay yeah. is really the salesman because he's really good at it. and then yeah. I'm more of the behind-the-scenes, short-Asian, manservant kind of guy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Manservant, I love it.
3: I'm yeah. missing that Asian
2: you know, heritage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, can, I, can, I can make you an honorary, <laughs> an honorary Asian. That's okay. Oh, sweet.
1: That'd be so cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good.
2: I'm honorary Asian. Yeah, yeah you are t- definitely an
0: honorary Asian. Hey, hey, I'm feeling lack of Asian though. You're kind <laughs> of a lack
1: of Asian.
2: But hey, look at this. This, uh, this is It's kind of leading into this. I'm going to show you guys this nice page right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, Retreat to It's funded. It's funded. But... Hack, look at that number there. How many backers they have. That's like, that's like the sign fours. of death. No, 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 no. That is the unlucky four. <laughs> the There's unlucky a... four? Hey, yeah. well, come on, come on. <laughs> the only way they could be unluckier if there were four of those fours. <laughs> yeah. That would be horrendously unlucky.
0: Honestly, all of you would want four of those fours. Well, yeah.
2: yeah like, no. that's, that's I, is, I can't lie. Is, it wouldn't be that bad.
0: All of us would take that. But if we're yeah.
2: talking math and numerology, that is a bad, bad number. For, yeah, for the agent folk. Myself and odd. An, anyways, hey Matt, can you, tell us, can you tell us? a bit about this game because I've never actually played it. Yeah, I thought we, I played most. You of ever played Claw? Oh, that's what it is. Tooth and Claw. Yeah. I didn't know that's what it was. Oh, awesome. Okay, so yeah. tell us about it.
3: So, Retreat to Darkmoor is a game uh, where players are playing as Dark Overlords and sending out, they send out their minions to attack. Uh, one the the main castle at strike of the capital city, and uh, it just turns out that there were a bunch of heroes there that day. They were in town for a convention or something, and so they <laughs> have to turn tail and run away. Um, and so the game is kind of based around that that old joke where you know when you're being chased by a bear, you don't have to outrun the bear; you just have to outrun the slowest guy right, uh, right, right. in the party. Right, so uh, you're going to be playing the minions to lines to hordes that are trying to escape to different locations, and then when there are too many monster, too many minions in a given horde, uh, the hero is going to attack. He's gonna he's gonna defeat the one the last one in line, and you know the rest of them are going to be able to escape to safety. So uh the the minions themselves have powers and abilities that allow you to like maneuver everything around it's it's a pretty pointy game um where you know you're you're changing the order of things to make sure that your minions are going to make it to safety and your opponent's minions are not going are, you know going to get defeated by the hero so um
1: yeah
3: cool Isaac you,
2: yes. Hey, hey, we have Hey, hey,
1: back. hey, hey, hey happy days.
0: Back. So he was, he was feeling intimidated because Matt was doing such a good job. Yeah, Matt, Matt your,
1: your role was Matt, almost Matt was uprising. realizing, oh, why
0: am I kidding this guy?
4: <laughs> I know. I, so Isaac, studying uh, algorithms just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can start
2: studying some math. Um, tell us about the math in this game. Is there math? Where is it? How did you work some of it out? What did you have problems with, and how did you balance it?
4: Uh, You know, it's a good story, uh, and probably I'm the wrong person to tell it, but the game started as uh, a very, very, very different game. It started uh, way back when, when it was about three billy goats. So that's the first bit of math, is the number three, and that was the number of billy goats. Um, And it was a trick-taking game. Well, sort of. The idea was that, you know, in the story of the three billy goats, Gruff... Uh, each of the goats says to the troll, hey, don't eat me, my brother is bigger, he's more tasty and more delicious and you should eat him. And the troll, of course, gets too greedy and eventually the big billy shows up and, you know, knocks the troll off the bridge and that's the end of that. So that was the concept of this trick-taking game was that you had to follow with a larger card, um, but if you were the largest but not the big billy, you'd be eaten. Um, and so that was another bit of math where you had to follow with a with a larger card, and everyone had identical decks, and uh, the game was stupid, and Matt said, well, probably you shouldn't have everyone have the same decks, maybe draw seven out of nine. So that was another bit of math where it's a way of randomizing what people uh, are playing, but very little, right? So you, you Is
2: that some homage of... to, like, Star Trek? <laughs> <From> like <nine.
4: laughs> I, I, I'm just wondering... Uh, Well, this was meant to be a a game that, you know, a parent might play with a child or or sort of an introduction to trick-taking games, and uh, it totally failed as as that. (laughs) It it didn't work well, and it was a bit of a disaster, and Matt said, maybe we should introduce some more spatial things going on here, so take the abstraction of trick-taking away, and let's make it more concrete and kind of create some ordering and sequencing. Uh, which is a different kind of math, right? A lot of what we're doing here is playing with a visual array and playing with um, adjacencies and so on, and those are kinds of maths that we uh, don't calculate as much when we do game design, but they're a really important type of math uh, to be aware of. So I I think that's where some of the math of the game is. More traditionally, and I think Matt can speak to this better than I, is uh, the math of... How much cards are worth relative to their abilities, trying to create a balance between the victory point values of cards uh versus their uh the power of their abilities
3: yeah that is actually something where that c c g background or you know just playing competitively does have a huge uh huge impact in in design in just being able to judge and rank the relative power of an ability over Uh, Another is going to help you in determining costs of what cards should cost, if they're going to have a cost, determining what they're worth at the end of a game, if they're going to have a VP value like they do in this game. Um, And, you know, you can quickly determine, you're like, well, this card's uh, really powerful, and then, so, like, Retreat has an an interesting mechanic, you know, or an interesting uh, balance system where it's like, well, this card's really powerful, uh, so your opponent's going to want to kill it because it's got high victory points, but the ability's too good, so you want to give it low victory points, so you can't score it. And so you really have to strike a balance in there of, like, how many VPs do I give it so your opponent just doesn't completely get to ignore it uh, and actually still wants to defeat it while still the ability isn't so good that, uh, you know, you just play it because the ability is way better than any of the other VP cards in your hand.
1: So,
2: yeah. There you go. Yeah, Hack, over to you.
1: Um, yeah, I have a question. Actually, this can be for both of you guys. Um, the question: How is it working with um, action phase games and working with a publisher uh, for a Kickstarter? And um, yeah, I know Nick and Travis are also uh, Magic players. So do you get along <laughs> with them? And uh, how does that? How does how is it working with them? I'd like to know how how it is working with a publisher on. An, <laughs>
4: I'll uh, I'll answer your question with a question, uh, as is the uh, noble tradition of my people. Uh, Do you think that... (laughs) Also, eating at
2: my people's restaurants on Christmas Day.
4: (laughs) (laughs) The noble tradition. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, assuming that Nick and Travis are listening, it's terrific. Uh, They're amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They They don't listen to our show. Travis yeah. yeah. has been uh,
2: on
3: the show a
0: few times.
2: Yes,
0: it's not that he listens.
3: Yeah, not that he listens.
2: He doesn't
0: true. even listen when he's on the show.
2: he kind a when he's on the show, right? Yeah. Uh,
4: no, the truth is that Nick and Travis have been enormously responsive and available and passionate, and um, they really took the game which they saw in a different format. They saw it when it was themed around dinosaurs. It was called Tooth and Claw. Uh, But they really saw through the mechanics and uh, did a tremendous amount of work developing and fine-tuning. And a lot of the stuff that Matt was just talking about, about costing cards properly, was work that we did together and kind of comparing different cards and saying, well, you know, this card that has kind of a crappy ability. We've sort of scored right about here, you know, at four points. So what about this card that has a somewhat better ability? They did a lot of that kind of tightening and polishing and consistency from card to card. Um, They also pulled a bunch of stuff out, cards that we had in um, that they said, wait, 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 there maybe is too much, a little too much complexity, a little too much confusion. I think we probably made the sin uh, that many um, uh, beginning designers make of throwing too many ideas into one game and they really helped edit the game down so that it's nice. uh, it's pretty solid now, yeah.
0: That's awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, and um, I'm just going to actually jump back to Isaac on this one uh, quick. Uh, also, we, we mentioned early on, and time's flying by, so I don't want to miss talking to you also about uh, Ravenous River, uh, a game that you had pitched a while ago. Um, but now is out and people can buy it. Yeah, there it is. I haven't got my copy yet because I haven't seen it at my local store. Um, But can you tell uh, people watching a little bit about the game and then obviously tie it in with our theme and give us a a little math story from it?
4: Uh, sure. So, uh, Ravenous River is a social deduction, uh, hidden roles type of game. It's uh, it's in AEG's Five Minutes of Fun line. So soon you'll be seeing this instead of Love Letter everywhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Totally replaced it. Totally replaced. It. <laughs> Thank yeah, God. Well, and and th- this comes out of my my riddle period. So I, I like to kind of give myself a framework for design uh, so choose stories or choose riddles or choose components, something to kind of get me started and there's that riddle uh, that even is in, in Retreat to Dark War or that joke at least about running away from the bear, so this is about the riddle uh, about the farmer who's got like the wolf and the sheep and the bag of corn that he needs to get across a river, nobody understands why he needs to bring a wolf across a river but nevertheless, they <laughs> eat each other and so this game is based on that idea of this chain of animals that will all eat each other and they're trying to get across a river. Uh, So you're playing uh, one of these animals in each round, and that's a hidden role that nobody uh, knows who you are. Uh, And you're manipulating the animals whether they are going to stay on the near bank or whether they're going to claim one of four seats on boats. There are two boats with two seats each. Um, And uh, you've got action cards that allow you to manipulate where the animals are and voting to determine whether the boats should sail as they're currently stocked or whether the round should continue and manipulate further. Um, so there's, there's really uh, two bits of math that were pretty important to the game. Uh, the first was determining how many victory points would be required to end it. Uh, and the, the interesting bit of math here is that the way that you score in this game is you score a point for surviving, you score a point for crossing the river, and you score a point for each animal that you eat. Um, but the way that that happens is that if you eat an animal that's eaten an animal, you'll score more points. So if you're the fox and you eat the cat, that's a point. But if the cat already ate the mouse and then you eat the cat, it's two mm, points. That's like a turduckin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, like. uh, so, so there was just some simple math of figuring out how many points is the maximum number of points that a player could score in a given round, and trying to ensure that the game end condition wouldn't allow for the game to end in just one round. So that really goes back to my approach of the player experience, right? You don't want to be in a situation where um, a game which should go two, three, four rounds ends in one round, one person wins, and everyone says, all right, what are we playing next uh, after this like, four-minute experience? Um, so that was not a challenging piece of math to figure out, but it's the kind of thing that... Uh, especially in race games where you're... uh, Not race games, but sort of destination games where Mm -hmm. it ends at a certain place, you need to pay attention to it, and then, of course, you get the tiebreaker question.
0: Let's say people
4: are tied. What happens then? Uh, So in Ravenous River, because it's such a short game, the answer is you play another round. Nice. Uh, But what's cool about that is that someone who wasn't tied for the lead can still win in that following round.
2: Oh. Ah, so sneaky. Pretty sneaky, sis. I like there,
4: that. Right. So some of that math and balancing and making sure that uh, the total points available in any given round uh, was was suitable uh, for that was a, was a pretty important piece of math. There's more math in the game, but honestly, um, I think the more fun thing about this game is that for some reason, the horse eats the hound. All right. Sure, that's kind of fun. <laughs> I like it.
0: I like it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hey, Matt. Yes. Um speaking of math and uh you know it not being fun, how yep. do we how do we like hide math or simplify it in a game so that players have a better experience if they're, you know, afraid of math and or don't want to play accounting the game or Sentinels of the Multiverse, which kind of turns into that every now and then, right? Those games where there's lots of additive stuff and some subtractive. How do we simplify it for people? So that's a
3: really good thing to do. Good question. Uh, It's also something that's really complicated to do, uh, depending on, like, what you're trying to accomplish with your design. Um, I think the best thing to do to simplify the math out is to make it so... Uh, you're doing it in smaller chunks. If you think about really crunchy euros, you know that you can score up to 300 points in, right? If you were trying to do all of that at the end, or even you know 80% of that at the end, you know, like well, I scored 37 for this and 56 for this, 17 there, and you know 32 here, like those are some really big numbers, but. If you think of those games, you're generally like, oh, I scored five points, I scored seven points, I scored eight points, and, like, we, you know, as designers and even players like to call that point salad, but the the real purpose of that is that you're not scoring huge chunks of math, and it's not really hiding it, per se, but it's making it very, very easy, very, very manageable, and very bite-sized, um, if you are trying to literally hide and remove numbers uh, you can see if there's other correlations you can do if there's instead of having like values of ones and twos if you can do uh, symbols and then uh, do some set collection mechanics where you're still counting but when you're counting a picture versus adding numbers it doesn't seem like you're doing math as much as I can attest to you know my five-year-old learning how to add and subtract with pictures instead of actual numbers So uh, I I think those are the two things that uh, you should try to do if you're worried about it. Otherwise, just don't have a lot of modifiers. Change out, uh, you know, try to do something more interesting. Like, if you feel like you're just doing a a math of the game with a bunch of, you know, plus one, minus one, divide by two, multiplication, by the way, stick, you know steer clear of multiplication and division whenever possible. Mm -hmm. Um, You should always only try to do basic addition and subtraction uh, if at all possible. If you're doing um, you know, never divide, I don't think. uh, (laughs) I guess never is a strong word, but I would never be like, you know, you don't want to hit a point where you're like five divided by two. What do you do with the half? Round up, round down. Once you have people start rounding, like you just took your player base and like smashed it and had like to nothing uh, on the people who actually want to play that game. So... (laughs)
1: I have a question uh for Isaac. Um what do you do to give someone trailing in a game to catch up? Like what 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 can you add to a game to let people that's behind to jump ahead? And and how do you think about that when you're designing a game?
4: Well, I I live in Murka where we don't give out points to people. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Well, you also are also live in America where you give out points to everybody who participated.
4: Oh, wow. um, yeah, I mean it's it's a good question. Uh, there's a lot of uh, approaches to uh, how do you how do you help people catch up? What are catch-up mechanisms like? Uh, personally, I prefer uh, and maybe this this remains political. I guess I take my answers out of the progressive tax code. I prefer <laughs> I prefer to take the leader and make them work harder to get further ahead. Oh, you Donald than, Trump! <laughs> God forbid! No, I, I really I I prefer creating situations where you know the leader would normally have gotten, you know, five victory points for this, but now he only gets three victory points, that, you know, you start having that degrading scoring. That's uh, that's one yep. method that I-, I like, because I feel like the leader still feels good about continuing to gain points and, and is doing the- still incentivized to do all the things that are good in the game. There's not really uh, that perverse incentive of hanging out in second place. Um, but at the same time, the folks behind can start seeing themselves catch up so it, it, it's not artificial oh hey just because you're last now you get extra stuff uh, which I, I don't like that much uh, so that's that's my that's my preferred approach to uh, catch up mechanisms the other thing that I like and probably drives Matt crazy is I like big uh, swings, right? Just make it, if you're going to have some crazy effect in there, make it big. The expected value can be the same, just the variance should be larger. I feel like that adds excitement, that that adds tension, and that if you're in front and you've been playing well, if you're going to lose because of a catch-up mechanism, it should be memorable,
2: <laughs> That's so American of nice. you. It depends nice. on the game. <laughs> I love that it. That is design it.
3: dependent. But he did forget to say that the uh, fourth thing that you can do for a catch up mechanism is include a $5 gift card to Starbucks so they can go grab some coffee. Wow. That could be
0: that expensive game. game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> is that a new action phase? Give her to here market? first. Nice, there guys right, so everyone keep, keep ordering, keep ordering games people for that reason uh, <laughs> nice all right, um well Matt, um we are starting to run out of time, but I am curious um, just uh, as someone who plays a lot of games as well, do you see certain designers that are using math or ma- game theories well, and uh, could you point to maybe an example or two where you were impressed or even uh, a little jealous of how uh, how a designer Implemented, you know, so, something neat, uh, some some nice uh, nice mechanics with math.
3: Sure, uh, I mean, like the last, so the last two or the last design that I was actually, you know, uh, impressed by when it came to when it came to the math, and it wasn't directly obvious, and it was super mm-hmm. clever. Was Arboretum?
1: Nice. Uh, yeah, nice. I
3: really liked that game. That game was. Very, very clever. The other one uh, that is, like, directly number and math related is uh, Dead Drop. Yeah, Jason Wintarski. That game, like, knocked my socks off the first time I played it, and it is so simple. And, like, to
2: me, it's, like, those simple, clever, little, just, like, And the the funny thing is, I bet if you asked Jason, he'd say, there's no math in that game. <laughs> I know, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, no. The, the little clever things that you can do with, with numbers, uh, you know, ranging from 1 to 10, uh, are just are awesome. And those are the two that I would have to point out. I mean, of course, you know, there's really crunchy Euros that do a lot of things and, like, some, you know, this thing over here and this thing over here. But that's more about, like action management than it really is about the numbers behind it. I mean, you're, you know, in those games it turns into points per action is yes. what you end up calculating, it's right?
2: Point is an efficiency
3: engine. It's an efficiency engine, not necessarily about what you're doing with the math, just how efficient you can be. How efficient you can be. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: So, so we're going to go to our last questions because it's about that time of night. So, Isaac, my question to you is, sticking with the theme of math, What advice would you give to new designers, newbie designers, in regards to designing games and using math to do it?
4: Uh, For newbie designers specifically, I think the most valuable math that you can learn is probability. Uh, there's uh, conceptually it's really important to understand probability Um, there's also a great uh, calculator online called anydice.com which you can use to do all kinds of different dice probabilities there's a handful of functions in Excel that will help you work through dice, uh, not just dice probabilities many kinds of probabilities. Uh, Once you have those tools you're gonna find yourself applying them all over the place and you're gonna find yourself solving the problem that I find I I know I had as a designer uh, when I first got started which is I know what I want to achieve and I don't know how I know the feeling I want I know how often I want this to come up and I don't know if this mechanism does that Uh, so probability is where I would point the uh, the amateur designer to first
0: nice good tools good suggestions there and uh Isaac, you got one for Matt? Do oh, I sorry. have a question for oh, Matt? No. Yeah, Matt. That's
4: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Hacked. Yeah, go Hacked. ahead.
1: Matt. Um, yeah, Matt, do you have any ideas to use math in any future games? Like, is there any, like, techniques that you want to try or that you've been thinking about that you might want to use? Um, I mean,
3: yeah, math is going to be in every game, but I can't – there's nothing that's, like – uh I think I, man, I'd have to look through all of our design. We we use uh, Slack, and have to see like what we've been talking about in Slack for the last two months nice. to see like what I want to go into next. Uh,
4: Hyperbola, I mean, the game of dangerous curves. I can right. see that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean I I tend to get into those clever math things to solve problems, to make an interesting decision, more than like I I have an equation and I and I really want to utilize it. Um, I guess I'm not, you know, you know, you know in that sitting way. on
0: like a prisoner's dilemma or something like that and saying I want to make a game with that theory. Or... Uh,
3: yeah, but even I mean, prisoner's dilemma is more is more of a social thing. It's not sure. I mean, there sure. there is math in the game theory and what choice you should be taking, but yeah. um but yeah, I mean I did that. You know, I I did the whole I cut you choose that was Dragon Flame, right? I did start yeah. with the math problem there, I guess. Um yeah. Yeah, I I just, I don't look at it that way necessarily anymore. I I think more in like, well, how am I going to scale this? How am I going to make it fair? Uh, All math
0: questions, really. All math questions, right? Scale, fair. Scale,
3: fair, yeah, but it doesn't seem like anything (laughs) original. I'm probably a terrible person for that because anything that I think, when it comes to math, I'm like, well, this just seems like, you know, common sense, and somebody's like, I don't get it at all, (laughs) so... (laughs)
0: That's awesome. Well, uh, I want to thank... I can't believe how fast the time flew by. Uh, But I want to thank both Isaac and Matt uh, for being guests on our show this evening. I just want to thank Hack uh, for being our third host tonight and obviously thanking uh, Sen uh, for being a fellow co-host with me. I also want to give a shout-out to David Tomei for helping him with the audio. Um, Just want to say... Thanks for our viewers as well. Thanks for taking the time, listening, watching, uh, contributing questions. Keep sending uh, sending us your ideas, your questions. Check out the after show. Uh, and even if you haven't seen some of our past episodes, please uh, please uh, binge watch or binge listen on iTunes some some uh, previous episodes. Uh, while while you're uh, you know spending some of that uh, math money that you have, uh, you know you could go into Kickstarter. You might happen to stumble across a, a couple beautiful games. You know, One might be Retreat to Darkmoor. You, know, you want to get your copy for that $5 Starbucks card. Uh, don't do the math there. <laughs> spend spend more than $5. Bucks. Um, and then uh, also while you're there, a little glass face uh, might be in order as well. So uh, please uh, check those out. Um, next week we have Chris Bryan from Board With Life and uh, I can't remember who else's book. So... Surprise! Uh, someone else. So until then, keep making great games. We look forward to playing your game soon. Ciao.